Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you tonight with exceedingly abundantly and overflowing joy. Tonight, I'm going to talk about our national flag, and I'm actually going to be sharing the whole program from Bill Fetter's American Minute. I've talked about Bill in the past. He's a great Christian historian. He's been to the Valley a couple times. Uh, He's a great spokesperson for the gospel and for Christian history. I would encourage you to look him up. So let's start. 13 stars and 13 stripes. It was on June 14, 1777, that the Second Continental Congress selected the flag of the United States. Our founders were in the midst of fighting an eight-year-long war to come out from under the dominion of the most powerful globalist king in world history. After the revolution, on June 14, 1783, General George Washington sent a circular letter to the 13 governors of the newly independent states. He stated, I am now preparing to resign before I carry this resolution into effect. I think it is a duty to make this my last official communication to congratulate you on the glorious events which heaven has been pleased to produce in our favor. The citizens of America are from this period to be considered as the actors of a most conspicuous theater, which seems to be particularly designed by providence for the display of human greatness and felicity. Heaven has crowned all its other other blessing by giving a fairer opportunity for political happiness than any other nation has ever been favored with. Washington continued with a warning. According to the system of policy, the states shall adopt at this moment, they will stand or fall, and by their confirmation or lapse, It is yet to be decided whether the revolution must ultimately be considered as a blessing or a curse. Not to the present age alone, for with our fate will the destiny of unborn millions be involved. Washington's concern for unborn millions was indicative of the founders who sacrificed prosperity for posterity. Well, what is posterity? Just kind of an old-fashioned word for all future generations. This contrasted with later politicians, including many politicians today, who sacrifice posterity, all the future generations, for prosperity, yoking future generations with unpayable debt and lawlessness. You're going to love this. John Adams wrote April 26, 1777. Posterity, you will never know how much it costs the present generation to preserve your freedom. I hope you will make good use of it. If you do not, I shall repent in heaven that I ever took half the pains to preserve it. (laughs) I'm sure that John Adams has repented in heaven and all of our founding fathers must be shaking their heads and wondering about us, the American people. Washington concluded with an admonition to follow the example of, quote, the divine author of our blessed religion. And he said, 
I now make it my earnest prayer that God would have you and the state over which you preside in his holy protection, that he would incline the hearts of the citizens to entertain a brotherly affection and love for one another, and particularly for their brethren who have served in the field. Golly, have you heard that from a president, that we should entertain brotherly affection and love for one another? Wow. And finally, that he, the Lord, would most graciously be pleased to dispose us all to do justice, to love mercy, and to demean ourselves with that charity, humility, and pacific temper of mind, which were the characteristics of the divine author of our blessed religion and without a humble imitation of whose example in these things, we can never hope to be a happy nation. In 1916, President Woodrow Wilson designated June 14th as National Flag Day. Just a tidbit, didn't know if you might know that. He said, quote, I call your attention to the approach of the anniversary of the day upon which the flag of the United States was adopted by the Congress as the emblem of the Union. I therefore request that throughout the nation, the 14th day of June be observed as Flag Day with special patriotic exercises to give significant expressions to our thoughtful love of America our comprehension of the great mission of liberty and justice, and for an America which no man can corrupt, no influence draw away from its ideals, no force divide against itself, done at the city of Washington in the year of our Lord, 1916. I think if Mr. Woodrow Wilson were alive today, because none of those words fit today. America has been corrupted. There have been influences that have drawn us from our ideals. And of course, there is great division in our country. Speaking of the flag, President Calvin Coolidge stated on May 31, 1926, our condition today is not merely that of one people under one flag, but of a thoroughly united people who have seen bitterness and enmity which once threatened to sever them pass away and a spirit of kindness and good will reign over them all. Golly, President Coolidge, I wish that were true today. He went on to state in uh, May 25th, um, 1924, at the Confederate Memorial in Arlington Cemetery, he said, it is the maintenance of our American ideals beneath a common flag under the blessings of Almighty God. We know that providence would have it so. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt stated November 13, 1935, our flag, he said, for a century and a half has been the symbol of the principles of liberty of conscience, of religious freedom, and equality before the law. And these concepts are deeply ingrained in our national character. Yes, sir, I would agree they once were. 
During World War II, President Roosevelt stated on Flag Day, June 14, 1942, you'll love this. He says, the belief in man created free in the image of God. Here is a president saying that we were created in the image of God is the crucial difference between ourselves and the enemies we face today. Roosevelt continued, I'm going to close by reading you a prayer. Then he goes on. Here's the prayer. God of the free, we pledge our hearts and lives today to the cause of all free mankind. Grant us victory over the tyrants who would enslave all free men and nations. Grant us patience with the deluded and pity for the betrayed. Grant us valor that shall cleanse the world of oppression and the old base doctrine that the strong must eat the weak because they are strong. Wise, wise words. Would be wonderful to hear that from our politicians today, but we don't hear any such thing. In 1865, President Abraham Lincoln commented to State Senator James Scoville of New Jersey. He said, if God gives me four more years to rule this country, I believe it will become what it ought to be, what its divine author intended it to be. No longer one vast plantation for breeding human beings for the purpose of lust and bondage. But... It will become a new Valley of Jehoshaphat, Joel 3, 2, and 12, where all the nations of the earth will assemble together under one flag, worshiping a common God, and they will celebrate the resurrection of human freedom. When Lincoln died, President Andrew Johnson stated April 25, 1865, not too much longer after Abraham Lincoln made those statements, he said, in order to mitigate that grief on earth, which can only be assuaged by communion with the Father in heaven, I appoint the 25th day of May next to be observed wherever in the United States the flag of the country may be respected as a day of humiliation and mourning, and I recommend citizens assemble in their respective places of worship, there to unite in solemn service to Almighty God. President Rutherford B. Hayes noted in his diary that during the Civil War, Archbishop John Baptist Purcell strung the American flag in the crisis of our fate from the top of the cathedral in Cincinnati in April of 1861. The spire was beautiful before, but the Catholic prelate made it radiant with hope and glory for our country. When Rutherford B. Hayes died, President Benjamin Harrison described him in 1893. He said he was a patriotic citizen, a lover of the flag and of our free institutions an industrious and conscientious civil officer, a soldier of dauntless courage, a loyal comrade and friend, a sympathetic and helpful neighbor, 
and the honored head of a happy Christian home. Now that is a eulogy. That certainly says a lot about President Hayes. And I have to be honest, I had no idea, uh, really knew nothing about Rutherford B. Hayes, but to hear what was said of him says a whole lot, and I'm happy to now know it. President Andrew Johnson stated while serving as a senator from Tennessee, he said, let us look forward to the time when we can take the flag of our country and nail it below the cross, and there let it wave as it waved in the olden times, and let us gather around it and scribe for our motto, liberty and union, one and inseparable, separable, now and forever, and exclaim, Christ first, our country next. In dedicating the Oregon Trail, President Warren G. Harding stated in 1923, he says, never in the history of the world has there been a finer example of civilization following Christianity. The missionaries led under the banner of the cross, and the settlers moved close behind under the star-spangled symbol of the nation. President Benjamin Harrison Stated in 1892, he said, let the national flag float over every schoolhouse in the country and the exercises be such as shall impress upon our youth the patriotic duties of American citizenship. Let there be expressions of gratitude to divine providence. And I have to insert there, unfortunately, we do not see this today in our schools. Our schools have become places to indoctrinate radical, non-Christian ideals. On Flag Day, June 14, 1954, President Dwight Eisenhower signed Public Law 396, adding the phrase, quote, One Nation Under God, to the Pledge of the Allegiance. Section 7 says the following is designated as the Pledge of Allegiance to the Flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Such pledge should be rendered by standing with the right hand over the heart. However, civilians will always show full respect to the flag when the pledge is given by merely standing at attention, men removing the headdress. Persons in uniform shall render the military salute. So this was under Section 7. This is, this is exactly what we are to do as American citizens. We stand with our right hand over our heart. We always show full respect to the flag by standing at attention, men removing their hats, and those in military salute. Ah, but do you remember that person, that football player, Colin Kaepernick, who started this whole nonsense of taking a knee to the flag as a means of expressing political disagreement? Ugh. 
President Eisenhower stood on the steps of the Capitol building and recited the revised Pledge of Allegiance for the first time. Now, who wrote that Pledge of Allegiance, you might ask? Well, it was first written in 1892 by a Baptist minister from Boston named Francis Bellamy, who was ordained in the Baptist Church of Little Falls, New York. Public school children first recited the Pledge of Allegiance during the National School Celebration on the 400th anniversary of Columbus's discovery of America, October 12, 1892, at the dedication of the 1892 Chicago World's Fair. The words, under God, were taken from Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address as he went on to say that this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom. In 1979, a publication approved by and printed under the authority of Congress titled The Capitol, a pictorial history of the Capitol and of the Congress, commented regarding our pledge to the flag. It says this, The pledge attests what has been true about America from the beginning. Faith in the transcendent sovereign God was in the public philosophy, the American consensus. America's story opened with the first first words of the Bible, in the beginning, God. We are truthfully one nation under God, and our institutions presuppose a divine being. Well, hmm. So our U.S. government printed those things. Hardly today would you believe that our government would even believe such a thing. On January 10th, now, you're really going to, well, you might be shocked, and then again, you might not be shocked, but on January 10th, 1963, Democrat, Democrat Congressman Albert Sidney Herlong Jr. of Florida read into the congressional record, and that means when something is read, it is into the congressional record. It is permanent. It is there forever. This is what was recorded, the 45 Communist Goals for America, which included do away with all loyalty oaths, i.e. Pledge of Allegiance, get control of the schools, use them as transmission belts for socialism and current communist propaganda, soften the curriculum, get control of teachers' associations, put the party line in textbooks, gain control of all student newspapers, use student riots to foment public protests against programs or organizations which are under communist attack, break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and television. Infiltrate the churches and replace revealed religion with social religion. Discredit the Bible. Eliminate prayer or any phrase of religious expression in the schools on the ground that it violates the principle of separation of church and state. 
discredit the Constitution by calling it inadequate, old-fashioned. Discredit the American Founding Fathers. Present them as selfish aristocrats who had no concern for the common man. Belittle all forms of American culture and discourage the teaching of American history on the ground that was only a minor part of the big picture. Create the impression that violence and insurrection are legitimate aspects of the American tradition. That students and special interest groups should rise up and use united force to solve economic, political, or social problems. Mm, mm-mm. That's a mouthful. The Founding Fathers, for all their human failings, gave a present to future Americans. Namely, each citizen gets to determine their own destiny. In a sense, being the king of their own life, And then all citizens together are the king of the country. The pledge is to the flag and to the republic for which it stands. A republic is where the people are king, ruling the country through their public servants called representatives. Kings have subjects who are subjected to the king's will, but republics have citizens. The word citizen is Greek for co-ruler, co-sovereign, co-king. When a person pledges allegiance to the flag, they are pledging allegiance to us being in charge of ourselves. They are saying that we, the people, are the king, not some power usurping totalitarian deep state dictator. When someone protests the flag, They are effectively saying, I don't want to be the king anymore. I protest this system where I participate in ruling myself. I would rather relinquish authority over my life to deep state government bureaucrats. Whether they fully realize it or not, those who dishonor the flag are effectively rejecting one Equality before the law. Two, freedom of speech. Three, freedom of conscience. Four, freedom of religion. And five, inalienable rights from the Creator. Kneeling is the universal sign of surrender, right? Yeah. Old Old Testament believers such as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, And Abednego would rather be thrown into the lion's den or into the fiery furnace than kneel to something other than God. Early Christian believers would rather be martyred in the Roman Colosseum than kneel to something other than God. At the Dodger versus Giants baseball game, July 23, 2020, Giants pitcher Sam Coonrod was the only player, the only player, not to kneel. When asked why, Coonrod stated, I am a Christian, so I just believe that I can't kneel before anything besides God. The Christian Post reported several days later, Orlando Magic forward Jonathan Isaac 
was the lone player to stand during the national anthem. He cited the gospel later when asked to explain his reasoning. He said, I don't think that kneeling for me personally is the answer. For me, black lives are supported through the gospel. All lives are supported through the gospel. My life has been supported by the gospel. Everyone is made in the image of God and we all share in his glory. Isaac continued saying, we all make mistakes, but I think the gospel of Jesus Christ is that there's grace for us and that Jesus came and died for our sins and that we will all come to an understanding of that and that God wants to have a relationship with us. The six foot 11 inch NBA player Jonathan Isaac concluded, we all fall short of God's glory and at the end of the day, Whoever will humble themselves and seek God and repent their sins, then we could see our mistakes and people's mistakes and people's evil in a different light. And that it would be uh, helpful to bring us closer together and get past skin color, get past anything that's on the surface that doesn't really deal with the hearts of men and women. One of the first gospel songs that nearly all children in America were taught was Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. On CNN Tonight with Don Lemon, February 1st, 2019, singer Gladys Knight, the Empress of Soul, explained why she was going to sing the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, at Super Bowl 53. And she said, as far as this is concerned, I grew up with the national anthem. We used to sing it in school before school started. We used to say prayers in school before school started, and we just don't have that anymore. And I'm just hoping that it will be about our country and how we treat each other and being the great country that we are. On the great seal of the United States is the Latin phrase, e pluribus unum, which means out of many, one. And that can, you can take that clear back to Leviticus 19, verses 17 through 18, which says, You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Bill Federer goes on to say, on a biological level, an autoimmune disease is a disease where the body attacks itself. But on a body politic level, this is happening in America, a type of cultural autoimmune disease where citizens are taught to attack their own country. Attorney Chris Banescu, a regular contributor to Orthodoxy Today, wrote in 2011, he said, as a survivor of the communist holocaust, I am horrified to witness how my beloved America, my adopted country, is gradually being transformed into a secularist and atheistic utopia where communist ideals are glorified and promoted while God is progressively erased from our public and educational institutions. Now, mind you, that's 2011. So 
here is someone who really witnessed, I can't say that I was that, you know, really that obvious to me that at, in 2011 that all this was really going about, but to somebody who's lived through it, they could see it quick, uh, quickly and easily. President, President Eisenhower, emphasizing America's dedication to God, said on Flag Day, June 14, 1954, he said, From this day forward, the millions of our school children will daily proclaim in every city and town, every village and rural schoolhouse, the dedication of our nation and our people to the Almighty. To anyone who truly loves America, he said, Nothing could be more inspiring than this rededication of our youth on each school morning to our country's true meaning. In this way, we are reaffirming the transcendence of religious faith in America's heritage and future. In this way, we shall constantly strengthen those spiritual weapons, which forever will be our country's most powerful resource in peace or in war. Well, I hope that you were inspired. I think Bill Fetter did a phenomenal um, work here of putting this all together. And, um, and every time you say the Pledge of Allegiance, and please do be patriotic, say your Pledge of Allegiance, stand firm, put your hand over your heart, <laughs> and um, maybe you'll think of some of these things that I shared with you this evening, some of these presidents who were really godly men and really uh, kept the flame, let's just say kept the flame burning for faith. I can't say that much about what's happening in our nation today, unfortunately, so we must continue to pray for America. Well, this is Dawn Noble. You can go to www pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. I'm going to sign off now. I'm way over time. So I will leave you by saying shalom, shalom, peace be unto you.